Well, this is a great honor to be invited. George invited me to preach on this Sunday, the first Sunday of 2020, and I, I, feel, uh, I feel really privileged. I had the privilege also of preaching last May for George uh, in actually two sermons on Romans 4 and Romans 5 because he was doing a series in Romans. And so that was a great joy. By the way, in after that, some of you know that I kind of had a slip on a rug in my bedroom and I broke my hip. But now I am in completely, uh, I just had the greatest uh, recovery. And so uh, that's why Tim walked with me to help me get up. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm so grateful you prayed for me and a lot of people did. And uh, we're so supportive. My kids, everybody was so supportive of me. But uh, I am doing okay. And that was uh, quite a quite a challenge though. So I chose a text a few weeks ago when I was asked to preach. I, I titled it, uh, Steadied by the Love of Jesus. It's from the book of Ephesians. And I chose this text from Ephesians because the whole book of Ephesians really has one great theme. It's a book about the love of Jesus Christ for the people of God and for people people all over the world, near and far. And that's really the way the whole book, it works around the importance of God's love for people. And as a matter of fact, in the middle of the book of, of Ephesians, right in the middle in the third chapter, is a, a prayer that St. Paul gives. And in that prayer, he, it brings the whole book together. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees. This is the end of the third chapter with his prayer before the Father. And here's his prayer, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love, I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is, and now we get this tremendous view of the love of Christ, that you'll be able to, to comprehend, to understand with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. That is the great prayer at the heart of the book of Ephesians. And what I chose for my text today is the very next sentence of the fourth chapter. See, there are these six chapters in Ephesians, and the first three chapters end with that great prayer. In fact, Paul ends that prayer with an amen. Right there, this amazing prayer that we'll know about the love of Christ and that we'll grow in that love. And then comes the fourth chapter. And the fourth chapter is what I chose for my sermon today. And it starts this way. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord. Paul was in, a, it was in Ephesus for two and a half years. He was there then more than any other city in the Mediterranean world. That's why three chapters of the book of Acts deal with Paul in Ephesus. Ephesus was a major city in the, in the Roman province of uh, what they call Asia, uh, modern-day Turkey. And in that great city, Paul had a ministry for two and a half years. And, it, and he, uh, he knew those people very well. And then he went on to Jerusalem and he got arrested in Jerusalem and was sent as a prisoner to Rome. And then he spends the rest of his life, the last 
few, maybe two or three years of his life in Roman imprisonment. And we are grateful, though, for one thing. In that imprisonment, he wrote amazing letters. He wrote uh, the letter to the Ephesians from that Roman imprisonment. And that's this letter. And it's an amazing letter about the love of God at work in the people in the people and with people all over the world and with the people of God. And so now, listen to him. Therefore, the, as a prisoner of the Lord, I encourage you, that's the word there, I encourage you to lead a life worthy of the calling with which you've been called. Now, I titled my sermon for today, Steadied by the Love of Jesus, because of a Keyword, I do word studies, you know, I love words. And there's one word there that he uses, it only is only used a few times in the in the New Testament. It's the word axios that he uses there. It's translated for us in the in the Revised Standard Version, and, and I think in the King James Version as well. It's translated worthy, that you may live your life worthy of this of this discovery of the love of Jesus Christ. And but the word itself is such a remarkable word. Axios uh, was borrowed by the Latin. When Latin, uh, because Greek language is, is earlier than, than, than Latin, and when, the, when they were trying to find a word uh, for uh, mathematics, they chose this word axios. It comes across into Latin as axiom. And axiom is from this word. And the word really means steady unmovable it means a, a truth that is it doesn't need to be proved so that in mathematics you could use it as a proof or a theorem or a theory that would be self self uh, proving it would doesn't need anything else to prove it and that's the word axiom that is borrowed by latin from this greek word axios Axios then means steady. It's, it's an equilibrium word. It means steady. It means immovable. It means that it is a truth that you can count on. And therefore, it's, that's why I decided to title this sermon, Steadied by the Love of Jesus, because that's what he's talking about now. He wants us to be steadied. And I thought to myself when two weeks ago I, I gave this title and thought of this sermon, here we are at the beginning of 2020. What would be a great text for us? We're living in a time of stress. We were then, two, two weeks ago, for one for national reasons. And now we're in great stress. In, in, and we feel a heaviness over the loss of life in the Middle East and what's happening there. So there's a sense of stress. But I didn't know about that when I chose this title. But I think it's right for us to look at this how can we stay steadied? How can we stay uh, safe and steadied in our faith and know that the love of Christ is dependable? It, it doesn't vary. It doesn't go away. It stays. And so uh, Paul says, I'm urging you to live a life steadied by the love of Christ, steadied by the great uh, what you've been called, and he's just referring to that great prayer that God has is, is called us to be steadied by the love of Christ, the love of Jesus Christ. And so I chose that word because of that word axios. Axios, axiom in, in Latin, but it means 
dependable. It means it will stay there. So now read it with that in mind, because then Paul tells us how that can happen. Therefore, as a prisoner of the Lord, I beg you to lead a life steadied or worthy of the calling that you've been called. This He's just been telling us that we've been loved by Jesus Christ, and we have that as our gift. We are a beloved people. And with all, and then he gives, he gives some virtues that will help us do that. And I like the virtues. He actually has four virtues that he then lists for us that will help us stay steadied in the love of Christ. So notice, with all, first, the first virtue is humility. With all humility, with gentleness, that's another word, with patience, and then bearing one another, lifting one another in love. So how do you stay steadied in this love? Well, he has four virtues to recommend. I'd like to look at those briefly because then later he has four alerts to, of things to be on watch for. But the first are the positives. He has four virtues that will help you stay steady, stay worthy, stay in, uh, with your balance and, and, and trusting the love of Christ. So the first is humility. Humility is the word for lowly. It means lowly. And it's interesting, isn't it, in light of the prayer, he says in, the, in, that, in that wonderful prayer that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in love. It's, that's a lowly word. Uh, Bonhoeffer loved that word lowly because he said when, we, uh, when we're lowly, well, then we see things from below. And that seeing them from below, uh, seeing them being rooted, being planted in your life. And so it's a kind of a humble word. First, start at the smallest place. Start in the place where you're putting the roots down and you're discovering God's love in, in, a, in a small way with the roots going in and so that we're rooted and grounded in it. And then the second word he gives, the RSV then translates the second word, he translated gentleness. This word is used in the Beatitudes by Jesus, but it happens to be the third Beatitude. Remember the Beatitudes, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who younger and thirst for righteousness. And the third beatitude is blessed are the meek. That's this word. Here it's translated the gentle, gentle. But it's the word meek. What does the word meek mean? Well, uh, we know a lot about that word because in classical Greek, it was a word used to refer to an animal like a horse that could be trained a trainable horse. Uh, they, 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 the cowboys would talk about it. The horse needed to be broken before it could be trained. Not just needs to be teachable, needs to be able to learn. It's not weak. It's not the word weak. And unfortunately, meek has been often thought of as weak. Blessed are the weak. And no, no. Blessed are the meek, which means blessed are the teachable ones. And so I, I wonder if that's why the RSV here did translate it as gentle. A gentle horse is able, to be is able to be trained, but it becomes a stronger horse than if it, were, if it was not trained. And in the time of the, of the first century, in the time of, of 
of the Mediterranean world at that time, a horse that was well-trained was terribly important. Alexander the Great had his horses, and they were trained. And as a matter of fact, uh, in Canada, the Calgary Stampede uh, in Calgary, uh, Canada, has a, a competition every year where they take horses, and they test how well-trained they are. And it's interesting, I was talking to a Canadian friend, and they were saying, well, what is the biggest test they use for these horses to see in, 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 when they're testing them for their, how well-trained they are for competition is how they can handle a bridge, how they can handle a, a wood bridge and the sound it makes. Can they, still, can they still run? Can they still gallop under, under their leader, the one who's riding the horse? How well can the horse handle other blinds or other, uh, you might say, problems like going down a steep cliff or something like that. And so that comes way back from the time of Alexander the Great training his horses for war, but training a horse for what he could do. And a well-trained horse was called a meek horse. It was a horse that was able to be trained. And so that's the word. Isn't it interesting? Our Lord knew that in using that word for the Beatitudes, blessed are the meek. Be, and so if you translated it, blessed are the teachable ones, notice the, uh, in, in every Beatitude, there's a gift in the Beatitude. Blessed are the pure in spirit, they shall see God. Blessed are the, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Uh, and then blessed are the peacemakers, they shall be called uh, the children of God. They, there's a gift given for each of the of the Beatitudes. The third Beatitude, blessed are the meek, the gift is they shall inherit the earth. Isn't that interesting? That's one of the most powerful gifts given to a Beatitude. They'll inherit the earth. And I thought about this in terms of global warming. We'll solve and we'll be able to inherit a, a good earth if we're teachable and know how to handle the things that are causing harm uh, with, with our earth. So it's the teachable ones. That's why science is so important in keeping us teachable with regard to our body health, with regard to the health of the earth. And that's the word our Lord used as the third beatitude. Blessed are the teachable ones, the ones that can learn, the ones that are able, meek, gentle enough to learn, and they will inherit the earth. And so meekness is the next one used. And the third one is patience. Now, patience is, again, a very interesting word. It's built from the word desire, but the, in Greek, you can add additions to a word. And so the word for desire is thumos, uh, that's to be, have desire. But the word for patience is macrothumos. Macro means it distance. It means eventual. So macrothuma means you have your desire. Patience is not saying you shouldn't have desire, but your desire should be deferred. It should be able to, to look and take the long view. Take the long view in, in the way you're uh, building and planting and growing and count on the fact that if you plant faithfully and if you... Uh, root a plant well, you can count on it over the long haul to be very productive. It will, it will produce. So it's macrothuma. It is 
That's the word for patience. So then he uses the word patience there as another virtue that's going to help us stay balanced and stay steady in the love of Christ that he just prayed for in the third chapter. So he says, uh, therefore I, a servant of the Lord, a prisoner of the Lord, beg you or encourage you to axios. I encourage you to stay steady in the love of Jesus Christ. And here are four ways that will help you do it. One, being lowly, working on the roots, starting there at the bottom. Secondly, uh, teachable, meek. Third, patient, wait, see how it happens. See what, patience is a very wonderful virtue. See how things can work out if, the, if you are solidly building in, in your education, you get your reward when the exam comes. You get your reward when you're able to do something and do it well. And if you were meek and teachable, then you'd be a, a horse, a, 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 you, you and your horse would be able to run in the Calgary stampede. Uh, if you couldn't do it, if you didn't have a teachable horse. And then patience, so that you wait it out. There's one more, though, he adds, and bear one another up. Bear one another. Bearing one another up in love. Now he then brings it all to the great goal of this steadiness, the steadiness in the love of Christ and the love that he has for you and you have for others so that we can encourage one another in love. And so here he uses the word bear one another up. It literally is the word lift. Lift one another up with love. By the way, do you know that word is, is not used often in the New Testament? But one of the strangest places used is in the 17th chapter of Matthew in the Mount of Transfiguration. On the Mount of Transfiguration, remember Peter, James, and John were there. Not, the, not all the disciples, but they were there. And they saw Jesus high and lifted up. And they, they had a, a mystical experience of Jesus Christ and his, his lordship. And then, you know, the very next line after that is that they were struck down in awe by seeing the glory of Christ. But the next line is interesting. And then Jesus comes to these, his disciples now kind of uh, bowled over by what they had just seen. And the Greek word that's used there is he lifted them up and then told them, now, uh, don't worry, everything is going to be all right. Because they were, they were worried and thought everything was really in great, maybe catastrophic time. No, he lifted them up. Same word. And now that word is used by St. Paul, lift up, to lift up one another in love. And that is the fourth virtue he uses. I love that. I love these virtues that he gives to help us to stay steadied in love. We need this right now. We need it as people. We need it as Christians. We need it uh, to be encouraging of people who are not yet Christians. And when they see that we can e exhibit love, and when they see that we have that, that axiom, that one thing that stays all the time. You know, the greatest gift we've got with regard to the world is the ability to love. If we've got that gift, 
And that's the great gift that St. Paul decided to pray about in the third chapter of Ephesians, that we'll experience the length, the breadth, the height, and the extent, the full extent of the love of Christ. We'll experience, that is our greatest power. St. Paul ends the 12th chapter of Romans by saying, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's love. Love is the only thing that can overcome evil. And so Jesus Christ is the one who has shown us his love, and that love of Jesus now can grow in our lives. We root the love. We, uh, we listen, and uh, uh, we are teachable about the love. We're patient to, to be sure that it can, it can work out, and then uh, we, we lift one another up in experiencing that love. So Paul does that. At the beginning, he says uh, that this is Christ's gift, but then a little further down in that same paragraph, he gives us four alerts. Uh, so notice, uh, we, are, we are now to equip one another. He gives a little uh, pep talk there to equip the, the, uh, the brothers and sisters in the work of ministry through building up the body of Christ until we come to the unity of faith and, and the knowledge of the Son of God and the measure of full stature. And then he has four alerts that he gives to us. You might say warnings that he gives. The first is, don't be tossed to and fro by every wind of teaching. He knows that there, he saw it at Ephesus. He saw the dangers of, you might say, false teachers or dangers of teaching that every wind of teaching, be, test it. So now he's He's giving us an alert that we should test what we hear. Test it to see if it's valid. And so don't be tossed to and fro uh, by every wind. He uses that word, every wind of teaching or doctrine, teaching uh, that somebody is giving you. So we have the, now the challenge from St. Paul that we should not bounce around. We should not be... Uh, uh, we shouldn't be uh, uh, like the wind blowing us to and fro. And then secondly, he uses an interesting word that I think is kind of curious. Uh, then he says, don't be tossed to and fro by every wind of teaching or by people's trickery, by trickery. You know, the word for trickery, this is a, a, a word only used in this place in the entire New Testament. It is the Greek word for dice, gambling dice. So he says, don't be tricked by trickery, by gamblers <laughs> who are gambling with you or playing tricks on you. Don't fall for that. So he, I guess this, you might say, is St. Paul urging you to be streetwise. You'd better be streetwise. There are con otters. I actually got one of those phone calls. You know, somebody called me and said, hello, I'm your grandson. They must have thought I was a very, uh, had many, many grandchildren so that I wouldn't be alert. And I said, well, what's your name? And he, he says, 
Well, I'm your, he, did, he wouldn't give me a name. So I'm your grandson, and I need money in San Francisco now to get, because uh, I've run out of money. And would you send it to me? Well, it was a con, because I don't have a grandson in San Francisco. I have one in Berkeley, but he would never. Uh, he, he wouldn't call me for um, money, and he would say, uh, he would give his name right away. Uh, but so that was a con. And it's, it's right up there with the, uh, uh, the, the warning I get from time to time that, uh, you know, I had a con here where a guy called and said, you have not responded to ju jury duty. And now there is a judge's order for a $75 penalty f for you not showing up for jury duty. I don't remember even getting a, a summons for jury duty. He said, that's all right. We can take care of it for you. Uh, and... Uh, so I got to talking to that guy, and my wife then, I, I signaled to her, and she called the sheriff's office, because he said he was from the sheriff's office, and he even gave his name, and they, she called the sheriff's office, and they said, no, there is no Mike here, uh, and so you've been conned, there, and don't worry about that jury duty thing, that, that's just a con. Well, I mean, so that's trickery, that's dice, and dice, at least the way it's used here in this, in this funny passage from St. Paul, so Paul has a little humorous aside there. Don't be, on the one hand, don't be uh, bouncing around with all the winds of doctrine. And above, don't be tricked by dice players who are out there with a, a, a you know, a, a three cups and a, and a little ball where it is. Don't do that. And, and they, they were doing that in the first century like they're doing it in our century, too. There are people who are, I'm not saying all dice players are doing that, but uh, that is the Greek word used. He uses actually the word uh, kubeo. It's the only place in the New Testament that word appears, so I don't know if you have a favorite verse, if that would be one of your favorite verses. But if it is, it's the only place in the New Testament where that word appears, dice. And Paul uses it this way as trickery. That's the way the RSV decided to, tr to translate it. Don't be tricked. Don't be streetwise. And so he's saying that's an alert. He wants us to have these solid ways of holding on to what's steady and true. And now don't bounce around. Uh, be careful of how many different doctrines you keep in your head at the same time. And, and, and besides, he's got one main doctrine he wants in your head, and that is the love of Jesus Christ. The great grace of Jesus Christ is the great truth. It's the way the Gospel of John begins, with Jesus Christ is described as full of grace and truth. But that's the main truth to hold on to. That's the main test if you're an evangelical Christian is, do you love people? That's the big test. And that's the way Paul is, is saying, I want you to be teachable. I want you to be take the long view. I want you to be... Uh, uh, I want you to help one another in love, to do it, to help each other to love. And then three alerts, or four alerts. There are four alerts. i got two more to go. There are four alerts. I don't want you to bounce around with different doctrines every week. All right? Good. And I don't want you to uh, be tricked by the dice players on the streets of Ephesus. Because, see, Paul knew Ephesus well, so that's probably why he knew they were those guys out there. And then, then comes uh, one of the most interesting of all 
trick words, and that is don't be deceived by deceitful scheming or deceit. And he uses now a very interesting word. I don't want to overload you with words. I've only got one more. This is it. And it's used in the New Testament several times. It's, it's the Greek word plano. Plano is the word in the New Testament for deceive. Uh, Paul, John uses it in 1 John. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the word is plano. It's used quite a bit in the New Testament. And the thing that's interesting about that word is it comes from astronomy in the first century. You know, the astronomers in the first century didn't get everything right. They thought, with, along with everybody else until Copernicus later cleared it up, but they thought that, every, that we, the sun, everything it went around us. We were the center of the whole cosmos, and everything was going around us. And it looks like that. The sun looks like that. It's going around. We rises in the. We got so many poems about it rising in the east and setting in the west. So we're used to that. But that was a mistake that the astronomers made. Except they didn't get everything wrong. The astronomers in the first century realized that in the sky there were some stars that twinkled, and some did not twinkle. Now they were smart enough to see that, and the Stars that twinkled didn't move. So that's how, if you're in a ship, you can use a sextant and go to the North Star and after the Big Dipper. It will always be there in North. If you're below the equator, you have to go to the Southern Cross. And the Southern Cross in the, in the, in the sky is always there. So the North Star could be used by a sailor to find where they were going. But what about Mars? And what about Venus? And what about uh, Jupiter? What about those? Uh, they're not stars. They don't twinkle. They reflect light. And the astronomers weren't sure why that was happening. But they're reflecting light from the big star, which is the sun. And so they're moving all over the sky. So if you've got a sextant and you're going to try to sail in Mediterranean, be careful if you use Venus. I know you love Venus because it's a star of so-called love, Aphrodite. And so you say, yeah, that's a good, a good star. Mars, if you're a warlike guy and you want to fight people all the time, I'm going to use Mars as my guiding star. Be careful, it doesn't twinkle. It's moving all the time. It's always moving. And you know, the astronomers saw that and they called them planets. Plano deceivers they're deceiving us they look like stars but they're not stars they're reflecting a light that isn't even theirs and that's why they don't twinkle if you twinkle you stay put and so <laughs> i love that i love it guide yourself by something that twinkles by something that stays put and you notice that's the word axios that's why I use that word. I wanted you to see it. Paul says, I want you to have axios. I want you to stay put. I want you to stay put with the great truths. And the great truth is the love of Jesus Christ that can change lives, that can forgive sins, that can heal people who are broken, and can even conquer evil. 
I want you to hold on to that. I don't want you to be going on this direction and that direction with this doctrine and that doctrine. And believe me, that's we're Protestants, so we are really guilty of that. We have we love being protesters, and so we kind of broke with our parents, the Roman Catholic Church, and then our uncles, the Orthodox, we were a little suspicious of them because then we just joined in with whatever seemed good politically and socially and uh, maybe helped me in, uh, in my plans right now. And so I pick my church by what goes well with what I want to do. And so Paul is warning against that. Be careful you don't go from one doctrine to another doctrine. I, all the time. Be careful that you don't do that. Be careful that you don't get uh, tricked on the street. Okay, that is easy to handle. The con artist. Be streetwise if you can. And then don't fall for movable truths that are always moving and are not dependable. And that's the word deceive. Be careful of deception. There are people, even people that maybe will call you a brother or sister, but they are really deceiving. So be careful of that. How do you test it? You test it by the axios. You test it by the thing that is steady, that stays put. And that's the love of Jesus Christ, the grace of God, the truth about Jesus will stay and will keep you mellow and will keep you uh, steady. And then finally, he ends the same way the fourth, the fourth virtue ended. The fourth virtue said, and then support one another with love. He ends with the same thought here, being knit together. Uh, so we grow up into, in, into the head unto Christ from whom the whole body is knit together by every ligament with which it's equipped to be a part of the body and grows itself up. And once again, now the big word appears and grows itself up in love knit together so he does it he has first it's a, a virtue and now it's the it's the uh, the final alert the alert is stay close to each other stay knit together uh, choreographed together uh, in love heavenly father thank you for this uh, text it's a great text for 2020 it's a great text for our lives today uh, so that we, that we stay steady with what is most true, the truest of all things, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who can heal us, make us well, and bind us together and give us encouragement and even gives us a sense of humor when we face the dice players on the street. So, Lord, bless us in, every, in everything that's happening in our lives. And we pray for our, our nation, and we pray for the world today that restraint may win out and that love may make, make itself known so that we can find a healing of the nations too. In Christ's name we pray, amen.